awesome to be with you today. My name is Guillermo Redekop, my wife Marianne, and we have three kiddos. They're here somewhere, Samuel and Lavinia and Joshua. There are three miracles. So we're here to just to give you a little snapshot of uh, what's been happening in our lives. We uh, left three years ago for Mexico. Uh, as you know, we were working first in Africa for 10 plus years as a missionary pilot. And then there was a big transition in our, uh, our journey of ministry. And we came back to Canada for a couple of years to regroup and refocus. And then we packed up and left for Mexico. And we're going to tell you a little bit about that. Uh, just for a timeline's sake, we came to Canada now, what is it now, uh, June 4th. We arrived in Canada June 4th. We drove all the way from, uh, from Durango, 4,167 kilometers. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a few blowouts in the, in, in the car, uh, just a few. <clears throat> I know I did. <clears throat> A father has to be honest, <laughs> otherwise he's not a good father. <clears throat> anyway, uh, then we are planning to be in Calgary for, uh, we've been in Calgary for this whole time, pretty much. Uh, in and out, we spoke at several different churches in the area, Three Hills, uh, no, and Linden, and Cremona, and different places. We have a lot of contacts everywhere. And then we're going to go to the east, uh, do a little tiny drive to Ontario, uh, that's uh, just a little bit further from here. And uh, then we're going to go back to Mexico. Uh, we try to be back in Mexico by September 3. So if you have no idea what to pray for, just imagine, okay, a family with three kids and a car that uses gas and that we have to travel past lots of people, maybe some gophers flattened out or whatever else. But just imagine, you can pray for us. We need, we need good health. We need lots of support in that area that we have backup. And we can always depend on you guys. So let us just show you some pictures and uh, give you a few small ideas of what we're actually doing, what we have been doing. We have been doing stuff. So are we there yet? Let's get the slideshow going. We have faith that slideshow will come up. We tried it before. It works. So this is a recent... Am I on? Uh, this is a recent picture of our family. Um, Samuel is the oldest, Lavinia is the middle, and Joshua. Uh, when we went, left you last time, a um, little over three years ago, almost four... Uh, we went to La Paz, Mexico, and this is where we learned Spanish. We uh, got to know our team. We are working with uh, a team that I'll explain a little bit later on, and um, it was somewhere that we had kind of set our roots for the last three years, and we uh, really enjoyed our time there. There's Guillermo with the La Paz sign. All the Mexican cities have these different colorful signs. As you can see, La Paz is a fairly large city right on the ocean, and uh, that was a, a blessing uh, in that we had um, our days off at the beach, but at the same time, it was a hot place, and um, it brought a lot of tourists, which was wonderful, uh, but it also brought a lot of 
uh, COVID during COVID. And so we had a lot of uh, different type of situation there. It was really locked down because we had to protect the people. But at the same time, we needed to keep the tourism open. And so it was a really interesting place to be during the time of COVID. There's about 500,000 people. It's not too big, but for that area, it's a large city, 500,000 people. Keep going. <laughs> oh, dear. It's gotten stuck. That's the city of La Paz. <laughs> we went... <laughs> Uh, we went to La Paz to work with a, a sports team, and uh, it was uh, a team called Transformados, uh, which means transformation or transformed, and it um, was amazing in, in that it was a group of young people, but their families still didn't know Jesus, so we were going there to work uh, and do tr- church planting among the families, but that actually changed. Oh, this is our team uh, in La Paz. Uh, this is the team that we joined. You'll see a few people with the the Mexican hats at the back, they aren't part of the team. Those are uh, some um, charros. charros, which are cowboys that we were at an event with. Uh, but this is our team, the size of the team in Mexico. So this is the sports ministry uh, that we were going to be a part of. The thing is, is right uh, before COVID hit, uh, one of the families of the, the small team that we were going to join had to leave and come back to Canada, and they no longer needed us on that uh, team and so COVID hit and we just helped where we could um, this is just care packages and it was actually through these care packages that a church plant started this is our church plant we, it's called El Patio because it was in the patio or the the front yard um, of our friend's house it was in a community where there was a ton of drug addiction and uh, alcoholism and broken families and they had been praying for this community where they lived for about 20 years and uh, all of a sudden, through sending out the, prayer, uh, the care packages, people started asking for church. And so this opened up the opportunity. There was a kids' ministry as well. So we expected to continue working there, but it wasn't quite a full-time job. So we were asking God, what else do you want us to do in La Paz? Well, we went on a road trip um, to see where Guillermo grew up in Durango, Mexico. I actually told uh, our partner before we left La Paz, I'm just going to show my family where I was born and raised part of my life. I was born in Mexico, for those of you that didn't know. And uh, I, I was going to show my family the, the place where I was born. And off we went to visit some other missionaries as well to the south. There's a place called Guadalajara. We went there first and then to Durango. When we got to Durango, it was amazing. The changes that have been, ha- have been taking place in the last five, ten years... Um, and uh, we'll continue with the pictures and I'll go from there. And so I was, uh, we were praying just that God would show us on this trip, what do you want us to do in La Paz? And um, when we got to Durango, like Guillermo said, there had been changes, but God had already changed our hearts too. Now I have to go back a little bit. 20 years ago, we went with a team from this church to go and start uh, the building of a church down in Durango, Mexico. This church that we're actually now working with. So this church in Durango, when we went to visit, I had gone twice uh, about 20 years ago, and both times I said, I never want to live here. God, if you want me to be here, you need to change my heart in a big way. Guillermo always said, I never want to live back in Durango as well. He had bad memories, just didn't want to go. 
When we were in Canada uh, five years ago, God did a big thing in our hearts. Um, he used a program called Soul Care. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Um, it's an alliance pastor that put a, together a program. But it's basically just going back and saying, God, there's areas in me that still need healing, and I need to know who you are deeper. And as he did that, he showed me my identity was in our supporters, what they thought of us, in my work. It was in uh, my husband, whether he liked me. There were different things that my identity was not in Christ, and God dealt with those things. For this Guillermo, it was dealing with those memories from the past. So when we got to Durango, God had dealt with my identity, my insecurities. God had dealt with his memories, and suddenly we saw it with new eyes. And so we need some more pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we packed up our bags, hired a truck, and took our stuff to Durango. And that's the little house that was provided for us by the church. The church mm-hmm. is actually right on this side. You can't see it, but it's there. By faith, you have to believe. There's, <laughs> there's a big church there. Our house is there. And the school is to the left. It's a big property with the school, the church, and a couple of houses. And so we were so blessed with a nice, safe journey. Our little car with three animals, three kids, uh, lots of stuff. And we had to go on a ferry for a whole night, and the story just doesn't stop. The ferry had trouble and didn't come when it was supposed to. That's another story. So anyway, we managed to arrive safely, and our, most of our stuff was okay, and that's where we moved to. Boxes. Lots of boxes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure nobody here has ever moved before. <laughs> Moving is not fun. Anyway, my Mennonite people, I call them my people. That's where I come from. My mom and dad were full-fledged Mennonite people wearing this, out, this outfit. The men would dress like this, and the next picture shows the woman. And that's exactly what the Mennonites, the old colony Mennonites, that's how they are. The men are with the men. The women are with the women at any kind of event. Like, for example, if we were in their church right now, there would be a section for the women and a section for the men. They're never together in church. It's their own religion. It's their own system. A whole bunch of rules. You have to follow them. It includes dress code. Mm -hmm. And very interestingly, when uh, when we were preparing to, to move to Durango, I went alone just to prepare things, to prepare the house and, and so forth. I discovered that there was a big meeting happening in one of the colonies. The governor of the state of Durango, Mexico, came with his cabinet. This is Mexican, the Mexican government. They came and set up a huge tent that would hold up to 2,000 people. And they came to speak to the Mennonite people and recognizing them in in Mexico as an ethnic people for the very first time. They have now celebrated, we are actually celebrating 100 years when they settled there at first. And that was my grandparents. They settled there, and my parents were born there, I was born there, and eventually many of us, we moved to other parts of the world, and my family ended up in, in Canada, and so, This was really special to me to hear the governor of Durango, Mexico, to to speak so highly of the Mennonites, 
hardworking people, but they didn't talk about the spiritual side of things. Inside of my heart, I was crying and laughing, and I don't know what else. The governor said such nice things about these Mennonite people. I knew these Mennonite people were stuck in religion. And that's what hurt me so much. The governor had no idea how lost and how messed up this people group was and is. Anyway, next picture. One thing about the Mennonites is um, you hear Mennonite churches here. Those are the evangelical Mennonites. We're talking about the old colony, similar to Amish, similar to uh, other things. They have horse and buggy. That's what we were expecting to see. But the funny thing is we didn't. We actually saw the next picture. Lots of nice trucks. We're like, what's going on? Okay, so then we know that they don't have electricity. The next picture, they all use... um, For almost 100 years, they were with horse and buggies. Mm. And only in the last, about between 5 and 10 years, I found out that it actually changed. There was, the leadership was opposed to this change. And so the majority of the old colony Mennonite people, they wanted change. They wanted to stop using buggies. They wanted electricity. They wanted stuff. And you know what happened? The craziest thing, the leadership of the old colony Mennonite people, the leadership, they lost the battle and they packed their bags and left. Mm. They had no control because the majority won the battle and they changed. Right now, if you go there, you might see maybe one horse and buggy here and there. Maybe because they can't afford it to get a new one or whatever, or to get a truck or something. But they changed from buggies to cars. And the next picture is this. They used to be with lanterns because it was a big sin to connect to the world. Electricity is not allowed. You could have a generator and operate with it kind of at your home and create a little power for your power tools, but not to have all these bulbs glowing and and nice and bright. That was worldly stuff against the religion. Anyway, this is what happened. My own brother was actually a huge part of this. My oldest brother, he's now passed away, sad to say, but he was a key person to help bring in electricity which is really cool. So this actually didn't just change them for the way that they're living, but it actually opened them up to the gospel for many reasons. When change happens, often people are open to more change. But also in their cars, they weren't allowed to have radios, but what does a radio, there's a radio in each car, and they would turn it on, and there's a Christian radio station in their language, in the low German language, and um, it's a very evangelical program. And so they were hearing this, as well as COVID hit, and people have phones. Well, there's all these online sermons in low German now. And so they were getting the gospel in other ways that they couldn't before. And so their hearts in the last several years have completely been changing. So God changed our hearts, and God has been changing that valley. I used to think of it as that valley of dry bones in Ezekiel, and it's coming to life. It is amazing. And so... This church sent a working team with us. We recruited a team back 20 years ago. Yeah, 21 years ago. 21 years ago, we recruited Mm -hmm. a team. The section that you see in that big building, the white section, 
You see the white section there, guys? That was the church that was built. They had another church that was much, much smaller that could only hold maybe 120 people max. Now, that white section there, that was big enough to hold 300 people. Like, that was a massive church. But because of all these changes, they needed a church. So they built right on top of the thing, and they used the old church for the children's church because they have over 100 kids. And this front area here where you go in is a huge foyer where people can have coffee and interact and socialize. I mean, it is it's awesome to see all these people having coffee and, and just talking when they come in. And then on the other side, there's a section where there's room for five, about 600 people in the, in the sanctuary, which is really, really cool to, and to it's, me to see. It's nearly full. So it's, it's been amazing because the growth in that church has been new Christians. And so that's what we are doing, actually. I believe the next picture. Um, this is our team. Um, uh, there are three couples that we are working with. They are the official church elders. We are just helping them, um, but they are doing an amazing work there. So we've done lots of different ministries uh, where we've been able to share our faith uh, with people, sometimes in an outdoor setting. Uh, people in the old colony are willing to come uh, that they wouldn't in a closed church setting. And so we, we have that the opportunity. Orange, the guy with the orange shirt is uh, talking. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> me. Yeah. There's visitation either out at restaurants or in people's homes. This is actually a couple of Guillermo's cousins or an aunt and uncle. Yeah, the one, the one to the right uh, is my auntie, uh, my, mom's, my mom's sister. Mm -hmm. And the one to the left, the far left, the lady, is my, my first cousin. And this is actually an example. The lady on the left, she's actually a born-again believer and has been for several years. But she continues to dress the same way because her husband is not yet. So she honors him. Um, but he has been changing. And now is coming to a weekly Bible study, but he hasn't made the commitment. But the desire to understand is there. Now, the interesting thing is when you become a Christian from an old colony, you lose your family, you lose your friends, often you lose your job. You are shunned from the community. So it's a big sacrifice, a big decision. Uh, but yet people are doing it. It's amazing. This is uh, my, it would be his wife. That was my auntie. Uh, she passed away, and I was visiting him. Uh, it's my, by married, my mm -hmm. uncle. And he also passed away uh, just three weeks after I had seen him. So that was kind of one, probably one of the last pictures that exist on the face of the earth mm -hmm. uh, with him. And this is our home, uh, just having people in our home. The neat thing about this community is Guillermo goes into a store and he meets somebody and they start comparing last names and saying, oh, you're a Redicop? Oh, I had a Redicop route. Did you, did you know this person? Do you know that person? Oh, you're Schmidt as well. Oh, okay. And they play this Mennonite game where they find a relative, and they figure out their cousins or second cousins or third cousins, and it opens that door to evangelism. Guillermo still doesn't, he doesn't know a ton of people in the community anymore. He left when he was 18. But these different connections of family have opened so many doors. I have literally 300 plus cousins. <laughs> and it's not a lie. 
sometimes people in front, they embellish things and, and lie to you and tell, not, don't tell you the truth. But I did a, a rough calculation. I have around 300 cousins. First cousins. First cousins. Mm -hmm. And second cousins, probably twice as much. I don't know. Let's see. He comes from a family of 17 kids, uh, in case you didn't know. And that kind of is some of his rough childhood, alcoholic father, 17 children. And so that's why those bad memories were there. But God brings healing. Next. So this is our kids, and we have a special um, thing. They had, had some really tough times making friends uh, in La Paz because it was so closed uh, for those of us that lived there, uh, especially during COVID. And then with Spanish on top of that, it was tough. And um, uh, coming to this new community, um, the next picture, Joshua has been able to go into school. He w started in March because uh, we just moved there in February. And so he's there in the red shirt and uh, he'll continue next year, and Lavinia will join him in the same school for the next year. Uh, it only goes up to grade nine, um, but that's a real blessing, and the next picture shows the youth group. This is huge. All of a sudden, these kids are able to have so many friends, and two, that's been an amazing are, are blessing. Somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Sam and Lavinia are in there. Now, this is an ugly picture. Lavinia, could you please come up and share? We normally, we kind of wonder how this is going to go over, but mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of fun. So, Lavinia, uh, we have a picture there. Maybe you can move the picture away. Uh, just kind of go to the next picture or something. Yeah, just go there. So, um, in the area where we are, most people uh, have four-wheelers, uh, ATVs, uh, for, for work often and some of them for playing, and we decided to buy one too. And so Lavinia went for a drive. You tell us the story. <laughs> well, I was uh, driving on the road <laughs> and went too close to the ditch and kind of rolled into it. <laughs> um, and I kind of broke my back in the process, and so then we drove for two hours to a hospital and then later the next day, right, I think, uh, I had surgery and they fixed my back. And so now I'm good. <laughs> like, that was in April. So, and I'm almost 100% back to normal. Uh, and because of that, like, I've changed a lot. Um, before, oh, more in February, I, like, my relationship with God wasn't very good. Uh, like, I don't even know if I'd consider myself a Christian, but, like, now I feel very strong in my faith, and I have a new best friend. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Thank you. So um, that, that there was a bit of a shock. When you have your own kid uh, breaking his, her, his or her back, that's not a lot of fun. So that was uh, a tough journey. We, we were this close for paralyzation, like the, the uh, uh, L2, L2 was busted. So basically it was just about cutting into the spinal cord and really, really close to paralyzation and, and who knows what else. 
But did you see this girl standing here? She, she, she even drove the motorbike back with a broken back from where she wiped out. And uh, anyway, we, we do, we do want to share that with you because your prayers, they do something. I want you to know that. Um, when you think that praying for missionaries is not necessary, <laughs> think again. We go through the same stuff you guys do. Uh, the, the last three year, years, I have to be honest, I'm going to slowly transition to a word of encouragement for us all. Uh, as, uh, as I do that, I just want to say we have all really gone through tough times. It's not just Canada, not just Mexico. The whole world has really gone through a ringer. I personally feel like God is cleansing the bride. I'm not sure if I'm prophesying with that or saying something profound, but that's what I feel. The wedding is going to happen. And it could be soon. And Jesus is preparing all of these things. We don't understand all the details. We don't, we ask maybe why in the world such tough times? But there are reasons for it. And this church that I'm talking about is not this church. I'm talking about the body of believers around the world. God is preparing us for that beautiful day. The bride will walk the aisle with a white dress and there will be a wedding. What an awesome time. And that is the time we will be with him for all eternity. Something to look forward for. So when it's all doom and gloom, think about this. There is a light there is a light. So as we uh, just con continue on here, just want to remind you, we have a little tiny table at the back there with a few cards. We do have some outdated family pictures. We have new ones ordered, but they didn't arrive on time. But if you want to take one home to pray for the missionaries that you are seeing today, uh, take one home. We would really appreciate that. And if you have any other questions about mission work, maybe somebody here feels a nudge. I should be a missionary. I got some questions. You should talk to us. And if you don't feel comfortable talking to us, talk to somebody else. Ask about missions. It's always a great career to consider. Um, so let me transition then to... A little word for us. I want to read for you a passage of scripture that has really encouraged me. And I've been reminded that we need healing. Not just the healing of the body. We need healing of the soul. So many painful things we carry along with us every day. The world needs healing. And today I'm speaking to you specifically, and if this goes online, to you as well. If you have a Bible, 
I'm going to go over to John chapter 5. And there's a tiny little story that the, that the writer selects. As a matter of fact, John selects carefully what he writes. Because John is different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those three books are actually considered the synopsis. They're kind of the three books that kind of do this similar idea, talking and telling stories about what Jesus has done and so on and so forth. John is more selective. He is very serious about having us understand who God is, who Jesus is. He was not just a good teacher. He was not just a good man. He was God himself in a human form. 100% God, 100% man. We don't get it. That's okay. We have to have some faith. That is what, what we're talking about here. John tells us a little story. And it has, is actually the third sign, the third miracle that, that Jesus did. The first one was, remember which one it was? He changed water to wine at a wedding, which was pretty cool. And then there was a little boy that was healed. And then we come to this one. So we're going to read it. John chapter 5, 1 to 15. And so just, if you have your Bibles, good. And if not, just listen. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. In Aramaic called Bethesda. Which has five roofed colonnades. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going another step down before me, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. Are you listening to me? This guy has been sick his all, pretty much his whole entire life. All of a sudden, Jesus is talking to him, and he just says the words, pick up your bed, walk. It gives me the chills. And at once, the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now, that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. Religion, religion, religion. Lots of religion going on here. The, the, the spiritual leaders were furious. So the Jews said to the man who had, who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is this man said to you? Take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place, 
Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. That's how far I'm going to read. <laughs> Guys, it is just absolutely amazing how this story develops. Now, I want to ask you a quick question. I've been in Banff for a couple of days now, and I've been walking around, and I've been reading some of the signs and some of the things that are out there. In this town of Banff, there are a lot of superstitious things going on. Did you know that? I know. Back in the days where this story happened, there were superstitious things going on as well. There were religious leaders who were upset that people would do things on a Sunday. Good things like this, healing a man. Religious leaders were mad. Anyway, this is what I want to just point out. I just want to draw a couple of things, and then we're going to go home and, and enjoy God's healing as we go on. This pool apparently moved, bubbled, did stuff. And people believed that if they could get in that pool when it was moving, that they would be healed. You see, you need to look deeper, not just read it and, oh, interesting. And then just go on. People weren't going to God for healing. They were going elsewhere. And this was one of the pools that they would, would go to. Instead of going to God, who is the healer, who is the doctor of all doctors, even in those days, people just went different places and finding healing. And so I did a little more research. Some of you guys know that there's hot springs around here, right? And it comes out of the ground. And I don't know exactly how the, how the, the flow goes, if it's continuous or it just goes faster or slower. But uh, on our way from Mexico here, we stopped a little bit in the Yellowstone National Park in the U.S. And there's these things called geysers. See, that's what I, I knew I was going to say it wrong. <laughs> the geysers. I have so many things that I struggle with in my, with my German and Spanish and English. Anyway, the geysers... They don't, they don't spit all the time. And there's this one called the Old Faithful. I don't know. Some of you have been there and you've seen it. But this Old Faithful, we waited with anticipation. Waited, waited. I mean, we couldn't look anywhere else but that spot. And then all of a sudden, it would spit out for a, just a short little while. It would last maybe two minutes. And then it settled down, and it was kind of just there. And so going back to this pool, there is a bit of a similarity. It is believed that there was also a crack in the earth there, and there was moments when the pressure of the heat from the earth came up and made that water move. But I did find out that even though 
some of the water, all that rainwater, when it trickles down a crack down, it picks up all kinds of minerals. And they do say, some, some, some smarter people like me, that that water becomes actually quite rich with some kind of, some kind of healing elements. So there is some kind of healing elements in the waters of the, the, the sulfur water. I mean, some people are bound to it uh, that that is really healing. But you know what I mean. The real healing is, is, is God, right? And so this man, let's talk about this man a little bit. He was a miserable brat. He was, he was angry. He was not knowledgeable about Jesus at all. He didn't know Jesus. Let me tell you a couple of things about this man. He was an old man. He was dependent. He was a complainer. He was a blamer. He was a sinner. He was ungrateful and disloyal and also unrepentant. Did this man deserve healing? We might say, no, he needs a spanking. He needs a shaking. He needs to wake up and realize who was talking to him. Jesus, the God of all gods, the King of kings, Lord of lords, was standing in front of him, talking to him. This man was so oblivious, he had no clue who was talking to him. And then Jesus asked him a question. What a dumb question, we might say. Do you want to be healed? Of course. But the man didn't say that. He says, ah, I yeah, well, I try. You know, when I try, when the, when the, now he's, again, focusing on the water that was supposed to be bubbling and stuff. When the water is bubbling, I try to move towards it, but then as soon as I try, somebody else steps in front of me, and, and I just haven't managed for 38 years. It's a long time. And you know what? I learned something else. In those days, the medical service was really bad. Not like Alberta. Alberta's top-notch, right? You sit six hours at the Banff Hospital. I tried it with my son just two days ago. But that's not 38 years. Don't worry, it's all good. What was I going to say? <laughs> yeah, right. All of a sudden, I got lost. Um, 38 years is actually beyond life expectancy in those days. 35 years was the normal life expectancy. So this man actually was beyond his borders of life. 38 years old. He was sick. He stayed alive somehow. But he was beyond his limits. So that's why I say he was an old man. You know? But Jesus said, you want to be healed. And so Jesus said to him the, the, the most amazing words. Take up your mat and walk. 
if the man did not realize that he was doing something really bad on a Sunday. The man just told me to, gra- to take his mat, to take his bed and walk. So he obeyed. He grabbed his mat and he got up and he started walking. And this was on a Sunday. <laughs> the religious leaders were just so mad. Anyway, I can go on with all of that stuff there. Religious, religion is so powerful in the Mennonite community, community where we are living, working today, these days. Religion is everywhere. And I kind of asked myself, which one is the religion that is going to take you to heaven? Don't answer that, because I will do it for you. No religion will take you to heaven. A relationship with Jesus will take you to heaven. Because that is where you connect with Jesus. That's where you find your freedom and your forgiveness. So don't try to do the Christian religion. It's not going to work. Try the relationship with Jesus. The little video that we saw of our dear friend that was sharing a little bit that it was so hard in her country to live out a Christian life. She's such an encouragement. She actually inspired me. And should inspire all of us to build our relationship with Jesus. That is what is is going to bring us into heaven. And that is what saves us from eternal damnation. Okay? Some of you are probably here listening to me and saying, I don't believe that. I don't think that way. I challenge you. I have uh, the Bible that can prove it. And just read the Bible. Start reading in the book of John. See what you find. God is good. We've gone through some tough times the last three years, guys. It's time to get healed. As a church, as personal people, as families, let's pull back together. These last three years have divided countries have divided families, have divided relationships. We need to get back to that personal relationship with God and start healing again and move on with life. Are you with me? Or did I lose you somewhere? Okay. Basically, Jesus says, pick up your bed and walk. Whether it's on a Sunday or not, just do what he says and be healed from the heart. The natural healing is also possible. And I like to conclude just with one small verse that really encourages me. And I bring this up quite often. The reason I can say that Jesus can heal today is because he's never changed. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christus gestern und heute, derselbe auch in Ewigkeit. Did you get that? That's German. There was a little verse that was in the front of my home church that I'm talking about that grew from the small church to the bigger one to the very large church. It was that small, tiny church. In front, it had that verse. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the God that we serve. This is the God I follow, that I listen to, and I'm a missionary for him. And I hope that you guys can be blessed today. Can I pray for us all?
Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your goodness to us. You are so good and so forgiving, so merciful. Even though you see the inner parts of us, you still love us. All onion layers peeled away, and you can see right into the middle of the core of our hearts. And you still love us. You still died for us. You poured out your precious blood to wash away all our sins. Help us to believe. Help us to make this a personal thing between you and us. That we can have that connection with you. That we will not hang on religion. We will hang on this relationship with you. And that is what sets us free. Thank you for everyone that is here today at different levels, different paths, different parts of life happening, sad things, good things, really tough things. You see them all. You want us to be happy and forgiven and free. May we embrace that. In Jesus' name we pray. May God bless you guys.